We hope you have your Bibles this morning. If you do, please open up to James chapter 1. We have launched a series in James, and the series is called Faith That Lives. We're going to be in here probably for the rest of most of your lives, but it's going to be, I trust, good. But I don't know how long we're going to be in it, but uh, Lord willing, we're going to learn something. That's a challenge of preaching through James. It's such a familiar book that how do I rightfully divide it and yet bring something fresh to you week after week? That's my goal, and um, that's what I hope the Lord will enable me to do and enable us to listen and hear and respond. We're talking about building faith God's way, and I want to start out with a story from Max Lucado. He tells of a woman who had a parakeet named Chippy. This woman loved Chippy because he was so happy and his constant chirping brightened her days. And one day she was cleaning the bottom of his cage with a vacuum cleaner when the phone rang. Do I need to go on? Would you like to come up and preach, young lady? (laughs) She would. Okay, we have a thing called Children's Church. All right, she reached... She reached for the telephone without removing the nozzle of the cleaner and it accidentally got pointed in Chippy's direction and he was suddenly sucked up into the machine. Now when the woman looked back at the cage and realized what had happened, she was horrified. Dropping the phone, she turned off the vacuum cleaner and ripped open the dust bag to get to her little bird. Now Chippy was a mess, but he was still alive. So she raced to the kitchen sink, turned on the water full force, but the more she tried to wash him, the worse he looked. So she took him to the bathroom and she turned on her blow dryer and she dried him. And finally she got the bird dry and she put it back in his cage. And a few days later, a friend called and asked how Chippy was doing. Well, he's alive, she said, but he just seems to sit in his cage and stares out into space. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. Now, friends, I wanted to bring that to you this morning as a way to, in a humorous way, talk about what comes to each of us unexpectedly and without advertisement trials in our lives. Life is hard, and it's full of trials and unexpected hardships. Look at what Job chapter 5, verse 7, this is one of Job's friends, Eliphaz, He says this, he says, for man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. And if you've had a campfire, your sparks go up and you know that your life is filled with trouble. Job himself says man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Jesus himself even added, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. So what is God doing in our lives? Why are these trials necessary? And why is it that they're one of the most common tools that God uses to refine and redeem and mature each of us in our community? We're going to talk about that this morning. Let me have a word of prayer. Lord, we need your help. We need your help to even understand your word. There's a fancy little word that uh, I think you might have given theologians called illumination. It just simply means the light switch has got to get turned on in our minds. And we've got to be able to see and understand truth. And we cannot do that on our own. None of us have figured you out, Lord. We need you to help us understand. And so, Lord, I pray this morning 
that the power of the Word of God would shape our lives and it would shape our community. And to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what James says, verses 2 through 4. This is what we're going to look at this morning. And I'm going to offer you a 3P exercise plan for building your faith God's way. Here's what it says in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Three P's. The first one's this. Perspective. Again, verse 2, James says, Consider it pure joy. Now, when we first read this, and you've, you've heard sermons on James, I'm sure, and this is one of the most popular passages in all of Scripture, so the chances are you've heard somebody preach on this passage before. And so when we hear this, when we hear James say, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, we think, James, what's wrong with you? That's not very sensitive. What do you mean pure joy when you go through difficulty? That's crazy advice. Where's your sensitivity, James? These people are beat up. These are scattered people. They're facing poverty. They can't get jobs. They're losing social status. They're facing every temptation you could possibly imagine. And you're saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind. But friends, listen. That's exactly what God inspired James to write. It's what he meant to say because James knows this. God uses trials to mature his people. There's no shortcut to maturity. Believe me, I've tried finding them. We like to have that padded savings account. We like to make sure that our children are safe and sound wherever they are. I know of a, a lady who ripped a lot of the wiring out of her home after her dear loved sister died of cancer because she didn't want anybody in her family getting cancer. We try to find shortcuts around trials, yet trials are what matures us. It's what matures our faith. Remember this, James is writing to a scattered group of people, listen, whose faith is faltering. Did you hear that? James is writing to a scattered group of people whose faith is faltering. And so he underscores what he says with a command. Consider, he says. That's a command. In the Greek, it's an imperative. It means it's a general exhortation for something that must be begun at this very moment. So James, like a trumpet blast of a, of a sergeant, commands these people, commands us to consider. Friends, can I tell you this? And maybe you can write it down in your outline, if not indelibly and printed on your mind. God has never, ever commanded what he will not enable us to do. 
God has never commanded what He will not enable us to do. If this is a command to consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, then it means it's not an option. It means it's not a suggestion. It means it's crucial for our maturity to learn how to consider. So how do we consider and what does that word mean? It means to lead out before the mind in the Greek. That's what that Greek word means, which we've translated consider. Here's what it means again. To lead out before the mind. In other words, consider means to make up your mind ahead of time to face trials with joy. It means to take the initiative rather than to do what all of us are so prone to doing, and that is reacting to trials. James says, proact, not react. Take the initiative. Lead out your mind. Examine our thinking. Pour over our beliefs and attitudes. Here's what the Bible says. Take captive our thoughts. Here's what the Bible says, Colossians 3, set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Friends, have you ever noticed this? Now, I want you to think about a trial that you've been through. Maybe you're in right now. Have you ever noticed that when trials come, your mind, your thoughts shift into overdrive? This is my life. Trials, is, I face them all the time. It always happens to me. Now what can I do? It's hopeless. I can't take this anymore. Why does God seem to disappear when hard times come? You may never verbalize these, but your mind is going. And trials kick it into gear. Do you realize that you and I can, by God's grace, control our thinking? That's what the Bible says. This is what James is saying to these beleaguered, struggling, faith-dormant, struggling Christians. Consider, lead your mind through the trials. Do you believe God did not see this coming? This is how you lead your mind. God saw it coming. Have you recalled the truth of God's word? Friends, listen, that nothing, Romans 8, 28, happens in the lives of God's children that have not been part of his perfect plan for you and I. Have you meditated on the powerful God, life-transforming word of God and prayed his truth back to him? Lord, this is what your word says. I'm praying this back in faith. I'm going to lead my mind through this trial rather than react and respond in my flesh. Or has your mind downshifted to negative? You see, when trials hit and they do so, friends, when have you ever gotten an advertisement in the mail saying you're about to go through a trial from God tomorrow? When they hit unexpectedly, And without warning, we need to check our perspective and let God's truth guide our minds through it because we tend to believe distorted truth. We tend to believe that God will help that person through their trial, but as for me, I'm going to really struggle. God is good to them, but as for me, He seems to have a mean streak. I know God can, 
do all things, but I'm not sure he will. See, those are distorted truths that we've got to latch vertically onto the word of God and guide our minds through the trials. Consider a pure joy, my brothers. This is what James says. You know what that joy means? You know what pure joy means? Here's, here's what it means from the Life Application Study Bible. I quote, this is what pure joy is to be molded and strengthened and matured in Christ. Joy is a deep sense of well-being that may at the same time embrace sorrow. Friends, listen, joy and sorrow are not exclusive. It may embrace sorrow, it may embrace tears, it may embrace laughter, anger, pain. Joy is a decision more than a feeling. It is choosing to live above feelings while not denying them. Joy, why? Because trials are your and my indications and proofs that God is working in us. It's his stamp that he cares. It's his stamp of personal attention that he has given to us. That sounds so ironic. It's so easy for a pastor to say it. But friends, is that what the word of God teaches? Does the word of God underscore that God loves you? And that trials are not your greatest enemy. They are tools in the hands of a redemptive master. James tells us to lead our minds into a settled sense of well-being by seeing through the trial to the loving hand of the potter. Look what he says, my brothers. I love this. There's 14 occurrences of this phrase, my brothers, in this little book. You know what that says, friends? We are community. This is not James, the pastor of the hub church of Christianity, the top dog in Jerusalem. This is not James up here and everybody else down here. This is James ministering in the midst of his people. This is James modeling that you and I are brothers and sisters. You and I work with each other. You and I understand there's no privatistic Christian living. You can't go through your trial and create a wall around you thinking that you're going to emerge out of it in God's intended plan of maturity. You need people. I need people. So James uses 14 times this phrase, my brothers or my dear brothers, to establish trials occur in community. It's God's plan. Because Christianity can have a great, as we heard, a great power in our community. Friends, you know what I read this last week? I read that, that, that all of the church-sponsored social work that occurs in Pennsylvania alone, this is churches that go out and do community social work just in Pennsylvania alone would add up to a quarter of a billion dollars a day. you telling me the church is not influential? The more we move out, the more we take trials and we learn from them together, the more we love one another, the more we drop walls, and the more that we bring the gospel to bear in our lives, wherever he plants us, the more powerful we're going to be. James says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, means it means to encounter various multicolored trials. It's not if we face them, 
I mean, you all have heard this. This is the most common point in any sermon on this passage. It's not if you face trials, it's when, because they're guaranteed. But friends, listen, there are no shortcuts to maturity. The same word, face trials, is a word that I preached when I preached the Good Samaritan. When he fell into the hands of robbers, it was sudden, it was unexpected. So when we suddenly and we unexpectedly face these trials, let your mind lead you through with God's truth and consider it pure joy. That's the first P. Number two, the second P is in verse three. It's perseverance. James writes, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. There are some things that you and I cannot learn from a book. Pat Millen and I talk about this all the time. We've read, and Kathy and any of, anybody else in school, you read and you read and you read, but yet you really pick up only so much life truth. What you read from a book must go, you must go beyond that and into deeper levels than other, than just information. Here's what this word knows means, because you know that the testing of your faith is one of my favorite words in the Greek. It's this. It means to go beyond just the facts or of information and often, um, and go into personal experience. I kind of flubbed that. Let me tell you what that is again. Here's what it means to know in the Greek. It means to, it carries the idea of full understanding of something that is beyond just the facts or information and that often comes from personal experience. Here it is. For all of you that don't like long sentences, here it is, down into a phrase form, experiential knowledge. It's what it means to know that the test of your faith, it means experiential knowledge that goes beyond what a book is going to teach you. It is through our experiences of trials that we know God is faithful, that he can hold us up through it, that his promises are true, and that our trust in him is not only intact, but stronger. Now, I've got to bring out a very important point here. Now, you must see this because I think it hinges on this truth. James says that the testing of our faith develops what? Perseverance. The testing of our faith develops perseverance. Friends, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and tell you this, and we'll come back to it. Trials, it's not an equal sign of maturity. You know what trials do in our lives? They develop not maturity. They develop in perseverance. And if we persevere in the trial, then maturity results. I'm going to get to that in a minute. The word testing can be translated approval. You know what, friends? Listen, when you take a test in school, your teachers are giving you the exam. They're testing you to prove what you know or what you don't know, what you've learned and what you haven't learned. So this word test means approval. See, trials, trials have a purpose. Trials have a purpose because, listen, here it is. They prove or they disprove the genuineness of our faith. This is what James is saying. I'm telling you, these, these people are scattered. 
These 12 tribes are all over the place. And if you look through the entire book of James, one after another, one after another, one after another, Greek imperatives, 54 of them, which are commands because they weren't moving in the growth of their faith. And so James is saying that trials are God's tools to test your faith, to approve of it. When you and I endure trials, it proves that our faith in Christ is 100% genuine. It is approval or the declaration of genuine faith that develops perseverance. Trials work for us to prove our faith genuine and to develop in you and I an enduring strength. Now You have to get this, and I'm afraid I might be losing some of you, Because this is an abstract point, but it's the centerpiece of these three verses. Here it is. You and I need to know that trials are the tools. Think of a hammer. Think of a screwdriver. Think of a chisel. Trials are the tools that test our faith. And that testing produces not perfection or maturity, but perseverance. Perseverance comes through being tested and tests are administered in our lives through trials. Let me give you an example. When I grew up, we had a pool. It's about 42 feet long. It was a family project. It took us about a year to build this in-ground pool. It was a lot of fun. Now, this pool, I had five older brothers and sisters, pretty competitive family. And so we would see how many laps you can make in one breath from one end to the other and back. And so we would have these competitions. Now, I was the youngest of six, which fuels even more competitive spirit. And so I would hold my breath, literally would hold my breath long enough to where my mind would go black and these pinpricks of lights would start dancing behind my eyes. But I was going to win. And you know what? It it became my goal that I was going to do four laps on this because nobody else in my family could. And I made it by the end of the summer, all four laps could hold my breath for two minutes and 10 seconds. Why? Because you know what? Here's what I realized. Every beginning season of swimming, I could hold my breath about 50 seconds. But it was in enduring. It was in practicing. It was in holding it throughout the summer that it began to expand my ability. This is what trials do when we endure through them. Some people have called this word perseverance heroic endurance. I like that. Heroic endurance or courageous patience. Here's what the word means. It means to remain under without looking for an escape. It means when a trial comes, to persevere in that trial is to stay in the trial until God leads us out of it and not look for our shortcut to get us out. Because it's only in remaining under that trial that we begin to mature and we begin to grow and not lacking anything. See, endurance, this perseverance, it's not a passive acceptance of circumstances. Oh, you know what? I'm in another trial It's a refusal to quit trusting God. It's a refusal to give up on his faithfulness. You know, when I hold my kids and we start twirling around in circles, what do you think they do? You think they let go or you think they grab tighter? They grab tighter. 
This is what trials move us to do. We grab hold of God's promises. We lead our minds through the trial with his truth. And we endure until God says it's enough. So trials test us and they help us to learn to persevere in our faith. But number three, we've talked about perspective. We've talked about perseverance. Number three, perfection. Look at verse four. If you would, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, it's perseverance, not trials. It's perseverance that must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete. This is important. A lot of us don't realize this. Perseverance works to mature our faith. Some of your versions in the Bible might use the word perfect. It means mature. Doesn't mean without failure or without blemish. It means mature, meaning we fully develop in order to do the tasks that God has for us. It's this simple. Trials, as painful as they are, and some of you I know are in them right now, but trials are God's tools to develop within us heroic endurance. Because it's in heroic endurance and staying underneath that trial without looking to escape from it. It's in that heroic endurance that God then begins to mature our faith. This maturity completes us. It removes weaknesses. It removes imperfections. It frees us from old sins. It affects all of who we are. Why? So that we will lack nothing, believing that in God's faithfulness, we have everything we need. You know, I hear comments a lot that say, you know, you're really going through a trial. God must really be perfecting you. Friends, the truth is this. You ready? This is what James is teaching. God is proving your faith genuine with this trial. Listen, if, if you persevere and if you persevere, you will be matured. First Peter one says in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Here they are. These have come. Why? So that your faith. See, trials are for our faith. May be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Trials work our faith to maturity if we persevere. It's the endurance that matures us, it completes us, it makes our faith grow strong. It's the quality of our faith that James has in mind and that God is growing. And guess what? Satan hates to see. The goal of God in our lives is mature faith. Utter, irresistible dependence on God's word. He's maturing that faith. And the tools he uses are trials, for they prove our faith genuine. But the crucial process you and I must understand is that it's in persevering and staying under the trial, not giving up that leads to maturity. Which is why Paul could say in Romans 5, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces 
Perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. That's the chain of thinking in that verse. But friends, as I close, let me say this. It is possible, and again, I know this because I've done it, to short-circuit the process of maturing our faith and developing improperly and living through difficulty in vain. Is there anything worse than going through a trial that God has allowed in our lives to teach us to persevere and that in our perseverance we can mature in our faith and be complete and not lacking anything? Is there anything worse than finding Satan's way out? And short-circuiting the process and going through all that trial in vain. Johnny Erickson Tata, who was almost totally paralyzed from a swimming accident, once shouted out when she was teaching. She said, this, this paralyzed body is the prison where God set me free. Can I encourage you to change your perspective, to lead your mind through your trials? Is that trial the prison that God is setting you free through? And if so, then what your, yours and my call of obedience is, is to persevere. Friends, we need one another. That's why James says, my brothers, we need one another to help us persevere. Because it's in persevering heroic endurance that we stay under that trial until God himself opens the door out of it. And when he walks us out of it, the result is mature faith. Friends, that's what it's about. That's God's goal.